Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the program. Glad to be with you and another week of shows each and every day here at 11 a.m. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Obviously, we all know what happened on Sunday, at least IU fans listening. The Hoosiers lose a very tough one to, I think, a pretty good Northwestern team. Actually, they're tied at the top of the Big Ten Conference standings here, what, after four or five games for each team. So they're not a slouch like maybe we typically see Northwestern basketball as. But Northwestern has had Indiana's number, specifically since Miller Kopp uh, transferred to Indiana. He is now 0-2 against his former team. Uh, Indiana got off to a terrible start yesterday. Uh, Despite that, big games from Jalen Hood-Chefino, maybe one of the best statistical games and really good games in general for Trace Jackson Davis, but that's where it stopped. As good as their performances were, Hood-Chefino was battling down the stretch, hitting some big shots. Trace was pretty much other than a slow start, solid throughout. Indiana got no other lift whatsoever. And uh, I've got a number of thoughts from that game we'll cover here in our opening segment. But uh, not a good start for Indiana to the new year. Not a good start in the Big Ten Conference. Indiana already has dug a little hole for themselves. And as I watched that game wind down yesterday, I couldn't help but think this Indiana team that came into the ex- the season with so much excitement. I still think this team went healthy. I'm not sure that's going to happen, though, right? With uh, Race Thompson, it looks like out indefinitely, and Xavier Johnson out for a long while, it appears. Uh, I, this team was supposed to be really good. This team had really good moments in the non-conference season at times. But as of late, and as injuries have mounted up, those moments have been fewer and fewer and fewer. I really did think, though, regardless if Indiana was Big Ten champion or not, regardless if Indiana made some kind of deep run in the NCAA tournament this year or not, I really felt confident in the preseason with all the hype around this team and just all the guys they've got back uh, and some of the new faces like Hood Shafino, I felt like this team would not be a team on the tournament bubble. And they may still not be as they move forward, but they are trending greatly in that direction to be a team that as you get into February – you'll wonder, is this team going to make the NCAA tournament? As you get into mid-February and start thinking about the conference tournament, what's it going to take the rest of the way? Is our is our back up against the wall? That's been a phrase it seems like I use over and over again in the month of February for a number of years because that's where Indiana always seems to be at. And I would have bet for sure this year that they would have not been on the bubble. They would have been a clear Big Ten team that's going to get into the tournament. But right now, as we sit here approaching mid-January, looking ahead at the schedule, 
schedule, who's at home, who's on the road, who Indiana has to play once, who Indiana has to play twice the rest of the way. I'm not sure what to think. I'm I'm really actually trending probably in more in the direction that they they might be a bubble team again this year. But it's been up and down, and the injuries are not good. And we'll talk about all this. I know it's a lot to unpack from these last couple games, but it's not been good for Indiana basketball. And it's not just the losses; it's the injuries and just some of the things that maybe you see or in some cases don't see that I think are more concerning about this team moving forward. So we'll cover that today. Let's take a quick look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one here in just a few moments, we'll get into some headlines today. I'm going to spend some time on the IU loss yesterday and break down some things a little bit more. Also, I want to talk about the New Albany-Jeff game on Friday. Great crowd, great environment, great pregame with the 1993 team being recognized and honored. Kudos to Jeffersonville for a tremendous job there. And a really good high school basketball game. New Albany battled, had an 11-point lead at halftime, and things fell apart for the Bulldogs as the second half progressed. But a big win for Jeff and some other things from the weekend as far as high school basketball that we need to to recap as well. We'll do all that here in the first segment. Later in the show, it's Monday, so Zach Osterman, after a holiday break, we've had a lot of Mondays off here the last few weeks, but he is back with us this week as we talk more about the Indiana loss yesterday to Northwestern and what's ahead for this team, and injuries. Now, uh, Xavier Johnson, obviously, we know his situation, but Race Thompson, it looks like you can add him to the list. Uh, Even though he wasn't wearing any sort of cast or boot or anything like that yesterday, uh, the word is, is out. I think Mike Woodson is the one that said something in his press conference last night uh, or yesterday afternoon. Looks like he's out indefinitely for Indiana. So that is not good uh, for Race Thompson, a fifth-year player, uh, and not good for the Hoosiers as well. But we'll talk all that with Zach and more later in the show. Chad Gilbert. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown High School. He's also on the executive board for the IHSA. He's going to join us. We'll talk a lot about Uh, that Jeff New Albany rivalry with Chad and that game on Friday and the 1993 team will kind of go back in time a little bit. It was so neat to see those guys come out on the floor to rap music and fanfare from their era uh, with Coach Wilkerson on the sideline, Coach Mike Broughton, the former coach, uh, back in the house on Friday night. So we'll discuss that uh, with Chad because he was a coach in that series. He won a state championship on the girls' side at Jeff and then, of course, had a A lot of success with the Jeffersonville boys as well. So we'll cover all that and more today with Chad when he joins us a little bit later in the hour. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line, the number is 502-414-1450. I loved it on Friday. I'm not sure what it was about the Iowa game, the Iowa loss, if it was Fran McCaffrey acting like a buffoon. I'm not sure what, but we got more text on Friday, and it was great to uh, to get that interaction, and I love to get as many of them on the air as I can. So if you've got uh, anything to sound off of uh, from over the weekend, the IU loss, um, whatever it may be, the New Albany-Jeff 
game if you were there. Love to get more local feedback. I know a lot of you tell me I love hearing about the high school basketball and the recruiting stuff, but I don't get a ton of feedback about that. So I'd love to hear from some of you about that game. Were you there? What would you think about the crowd? What would you think about the game? The number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. And right now, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. And let's get into some of our headlines of the day before we get to guests coming up a little bit later in the hour. Uh, first off, on a positive note, and I don't have his, his stat line in front of me or anything to go off of, but Romeo Langford has been starting for the Spurs. He's been scoring for the Spurs. And in the last few games, just the, I've had to go back and watch or see clips, uh, he's actually been aggressive, very aggressive, taking the ball to the basket. So has Romeo Langford uh, turned the corner? for the Spurs and in NBA basketball? And can he stay healthy? So is this what we would have seen from Romeo in year one or year two if he could have stayed healthy? He had so many things from COVID to ding this, ding that, out with this, checking on that. And he, for now, for the first time, has been healthy for basically the entire season. And so let's see if he can continue up uh, some progress there in San Antonio. But definitely a really promising last few weeks for Romeo Langford. And that is the first time, and we've covered Romeo since he was in middle school. And it was great years here on this program talking about Romeo Langford's recruitment. I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, Felt like we were the spot to to turn to get, you know, what was going on. Uh, But to, to now be able to report on success from him in the NBA is is cool too and let's hope that that continues the Spurs uh boy they they struggle as a team and it's easy to see why Romeo and a lot of different players that may not get opportunities elsewhere are getting opportunities there but you've got to take them where you can get it and Romeo is for now making the most of his opportunity in San Antonio and let's see if that can continue. All right. Also, IU yesterday, uh, a number of things to, to mention. First off, the defense was was bad, and the defense has been getting worse and worse. And at one point earlier in the year, I can remember asking a couple of our IU experts, as I call them, that cover the team on a daily basis and join us, uh, at least one of them each day here on the show during the week, you know, is, Indi- is Indiana's defense going to be something – that maybe could be an identity of this team this season with how good it was early. And they weren't just playing all cupcakes early. There were some decent challenges in there. And I thought maybe that it could. And if it could be one of their uh, known commodities of this team, I thought that that would go along well with the other opportunities, the other standout areas of this team. And so obviously the defense is way off track, has gone down, down, down. And yesterday was just a terrible defensive performance. Uh, man, Indiana has regressed defensively. I think that's a real simple way to say, say it. Also yesterday, Jalen hood Shafino, 33 points. The most scored, I read on Inside the Hall, the most scored uh, by a freshman 
uh, since Eric Gordon back in the 2007-8 season when he scored 33 points against Chattanooga. So it was against a non-Big Ten opponent. So a big-time performance there. I think it just underscores uh, the NBA chatter uh, coming into the season around Hood Shafino and just how good he can be. Uh, the scary thing is I think he can be even better. I don't know that he comes back to, to IU for another year. I have no clue what happens there. I think it's way too early to think about any of that. But if he comes back for a sophomore season, watch out because I think you'll see 30-point games on a regular basis for uh, Hood Shafino. Unbelievable some of the things he can do. He's got to stay healthy, too, because he's got a known back soreness, which kept him out a few games this season for Indiana. And he, I think it even went all the way back to his high school days. Uh, but that definitely is is something to watch with him. But a uh, really good opportunity for him to get even better is there. You know, a lot of talk in the offseason and over the summer and as the season drew closer about Jordan Geronimo and I really was a believer in him. I really would have said that I would probably pick him as a breakout player for the Hoosiers. I may have even said that about him a year ago, last season. And I also would have argued in the offseason, and I think mentioned this some on the show, that maybe he could start. Maybe he could play the three. He's so athletic. He should be able to guard just about anybody in the Big Ten Conference. And yesterday he got an opportunity to start, uh, and I don't know, against Iowa as well. There were just some things when he was guarding Chris Murray, uh, and I know Chris Murray's really good. His brother's in the NBA, and he likely will be as well. But uh, definitely some some things there with Geronimo that he just just didn't look like the athletic defensive stopper maybe that I thought he might look as a junior. And it's hard to believe he's now a junior at Indiana. Uh, so that's a concern. I thought maybe he could be a starter this year. thought maybe he could transition to the three this year. And I'm not sure that based on what we've seen just in the last couple games alone that any of that's going to be possible this season. One other player that uh, – or actually two other things, Miller Cop. Uh, he had a bright spot. I don't even remember what game it was now. Since then, not a lot from Cop. I mean, you just expect him to come out and play solid against his former team. He's got to be fired up and ready and want to come out and show that he you know, can, can lead Indiana and, and have good games against where he used to play. And that just wasn't the case yesterday again. And uh, a lot of low moments for him. He's Again, occasionally he hits a number of threes and has a good shooting game and, and so forth. But uh, yesterday, not one of them. And those not one of them moments kind of racking up for Miller Cop, in my opinion. And then Tamar Bates, I kind of thought he was beginning to come on. I thought he might really be a one-two punch at the guards with, with uh, Jalen Huchifino and then Galloway taking more of a second-string role with the team. Uh, but even yesterday, he was not that strong. He, uh, I thought uh, you know, yesterday, three of eight from the field. He had nine points. I, I just Not a bad game, not a terrible game, but I just thought maybe he would be pushing things a little bit further to become a kind of a key cog on this Indiana team. Uh, but Trace Jackson Davis, really good. And I guess probably the only concerning thing about Trace's performance yesterday, obviously it was nothing in the game. It was nothing in his stat line, but he did talk a lot after the game. I heard some of his comments about all the treatment that he's getting. He said, I play games and I get treatment. I play games and I get treatment. I've got to be, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, I've got to be the best I can be for my team. I've got to lead my team. I've got to do whatever it takes to be on the floor. And if I got to be on the floor for 40 minutes, that's what it takes. And yesterday, Trace had to be on the floor for 40 minutes. And if things don't change, it looks like Trace is going to have to continue to be on the floor for 40 minutes. But another monster, monster game uh, for Trace Jackson Davis yesterday in the loss. And Indiana kind of hit some crazy shots. 
shots. Gallo there at the buzzer, and uh, leading up to that, Hood Shafino had some some stuff he was able to force in that helped get him over the the thirty point mark uh, and uh, keep it close and a one point loss. Although, if you watch the game from start to finish, you know that Indiana really was never in that ball game yesterday. And so we'll see what's next for Indiana. Uh, it's the Big Ten Conference. Nothing's going to be real easy. Uh, so uh, definitely a game at home, even though Northwestern's playing well. And with that win yesterday, again, they're tied at the top of the Big Ten Conference. But boy, as I look across the conference right now, Purdue and Ohio State and Rutgers uh, and others playing good basketball. And uh, I think that this is going to be, as we all know, there's no surprise here, another really good year for the Big Ten Conference and another really tough year each and every game, home and away especially, uh, for this Indiana team. One IU women's basketball note, they were victorious yesterday. They played up in Chicago. And just kind of keeping you posted on things if you haven't seen it already. Grace Berger from uh, Louisville that has Southern Indiana connections. She was out with a, a knee or a leg injury from one of the holiday events that IU played in. I think it was the crazy deal out in Las Vegas that was so poorly ran that got a lot of national attention uh, from writers. Uh, she was back yesterday, got some minutes yesterday, and uh, good to see her back because that was a concerning injury for her. But it does look like uh, she is going to, <clears throat> from this point forward to slowly be able to make a return for this Indiana women's team that it's continuing to have a really good season this year. New Albany and Jeffersonville on Friday. Chad Gilbert and I will have more on this game, but my number one takeaway uh, from the actual game itself was, and I've said this before, but I love Trey Singleton uh, of Jeffersonville. He's just a sophomore. I remarked to him in the locker room before the game, I was talking to Coach Wilkerson, Man, I think you grow every time I see you. From game to game, from week to week sometimes, he is growing. Uh, his game really came on in the second half. He had 19 points to lead the Red Devils to victory. But And there were some other players. P.J. Douglas really helped in the close of that game. Uh, there A number of things, and we'll cover that here coming up. But Trey Singleton is really good. He's got a chance to be a very good player here in this area. And uh, having a big game like New Albany, let's see now if that helps elevate his game uh, to an entirely different level moving forward this month because Jeff has some other really big games, including some big rivalry games with Floyd Central and Providence coming up this coming weekend, both of the games that we'll, we'll bring you here on the Big X this weekend. But other than that, New Albany got off to a great start led by 11 points at halftime thanks to outscoring Jeff 17-7 in the second period. Tommy Devine had some early threes for New Albany. I thought New Albany got solid play from Justin Carter. Uh, he had 19 points to lead the way, uh, but really some of the sophomores at times, uh, Jordan Treat, Ryland Shrink, Shrink reached double figures with 10 points. Treat had 8 points. Both of those guys look solid. They're small guards for their age, but they're they're solid. They are talented, and they help New Albany Although the Bulldogs went a little cold down the stretch and Jeffersonville made some defensive changes, I thought that really hurt New Albany and their ability to continue to play as they had in the first half of that ball game. But good night overall. The 93 state championship team was back. I think almost full attendance from those guys. All the coaches and support staff was there. The crowd was on their feet. A lot of respect from the New Albany side on that as well. 
that I was awful young for that team, but they were really good. And just to top it all off, Sharon Wilkerson, the boys' coach, Corey Norman, uh, also from that team, a big piece of that team uh, on the uh, girls, the girls' head coach at Jeff. So both of those guys a chance to see all their teammates and all that happen in their community, and then come back and coach uh, at the high school on a day-to-day basis. I thought that was really special. And Mike Broughton was there, of course. Coach Broughton was on the microphone and uh, introduced the team and went through the history and. That that was neat to hear, uh, but he also, uh, with Coach Wilkerson, called New Albany coach <clears throat> Jim Shannon out on the floor, and Jeffersonville presented Coach Shannon with a really, really special memento there to commemorate his years as the New Albany coach, but I thought a very, very classy move by Jeff and a job well done by new athletic director, but not a stranger to Jeff or to sports, Larry Owens, former Bellarmine baseball coach and, of course, a a Jeffersonville baseball standout many years ago, but a really good evening there. The Jeff-New Albany game was great on the court, and the -the off-the-court festivities were really good, and the crowd, I always question, What's the crowd going to be like? Are we going to continue to get crowds for these rivalry games as our world changes? And I think at least for now, the rivalry games that I have been at, the New Albany-Floyd, the Jeff-New Albany game now, good crowds, especially uh, that Jeff-New Albany game without really a stud player right now like a Langford or somebody really, really D1 for sure. Uh, I thought it was a good crowd and uh, fun to see those two communities battle uh, each and every year. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is with us. More on Indiana yesterday and their poor performance against Northwestern and uh, the injuries and more all coming up. Still ahead, Chad Gilbert. Uh, we'll talk more about that Jeff New Albany game and series as well. Stay with us. This is a Monday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back here on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star going to join in just a second. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. If you've got questions, comments for Zach, thoughts on IU's performance yesterday, that number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach, uh, a tough loss yesterday for Indiana. Uh, Northwestern is, I think, actually a solid team. Tied atop the Big Ten Conference here early after the victory yesterday, but a very, very slow start, and I thought a very bad defensive performance overall uh, got uh, the Indiana team off to a slow start, and that's where things uh, began to go downhill. Indiana loses by one point at home in a game that really was never that close. Yeah, I think if, I mean, we're talking about sort of what is schematically or, or, you know, strategically, quantifiably holding Indiana back right now, um, it, it's undeniably their defense, you know, and they, they've lost um, their last four games against – they've lost five of their last six games against high major, high major competition. 
They've lost, lost their last four against high major competition. Only once in that stretch have they even managed to hold the team under 1.13 points per possession, which is a, a really bad number um, for anybody who you know doesn't kind of subscribe to the, the, the tempo-based stuff. Um, their interior defense has, you know, I mean, has collapsed. I mean, if you, if you look at this season, uh, it wasn't until Nebraska <clears throat> that a team shot better than 50%, in fact, better than like about 47% on twos in a single game against Indiana. Um, that includes Rutgers. And then five of the last six games, teams have shot 51% or better, or excuse me, 50% or better on twos. Um, they just, you know, some of this obviously is down to Xavier Johnson's injury, Ray Thompson's injury. That doesn't help. Those issues, frankly, had, had started, um, to manifest themselves before those players got hurt. Certainly, Ray Thompson. Obviously, he's only been out since the first half of the Iowa game. Um, but the the reality is, you know, it, it you're seeing kind of a um, a team that is really struggling to defend the ball right now in, in a way that I don't think we would have expected they would. And a team that, without Xavier Johnson pulling some of the strings. Um, offensively is making a few more mistakes in terms of turnovers. It's probably forcing some things. I think that's maybe something that when you look at the turnover numbers is going a little bit underappreciated is the extent to which Indiana may be feeling like it has to force some things offensively that it didn't before because it's feeling scoreboard pressure because it's just not defending the other end very well. Um, and so in terms of the, again, in terms of the quantifiable stuff, that's, that's kind of how Indiana's gotten to where it is today. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star, my guest. Uh, Race Thompson, uh, it sounds like out indefinitely. We know the situation with Xavier Johnson is going to take a lot of time if he is going to come back this season. All that remains to be seen. Is it possible for this Indiana team to move through a future grueling Big Ten schedule and come anywhere close to some of the expectations put up on this team? I know Xavier Johnson didn't always get maybe the praise he deserved. Sometimes he got some criticism of things he did or maybe didn't do for the team, but it seems to be a major, major void now with both of those guys out of the starting lineup. No, I think that's, I think that's fair, and you know, obviously we don't, um, Indiana's kind of cagey around some of the the specifics on injury stuff. I think it, it does seem at least encouraging in the sense that Ray Thompson, nobody's talked about surgery, which would probably rule out a lot of the um, provided he doesn't need it. And, and again, nobody's talked about it to this point. So um, that would rule out a lot of the more serious stuff. I know people see a play like that, they start thinking ACL tear, things like that. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's still, when you're dealing with a knee, you're dealing with both the, you know, kind of the, the regeneration of, of whatever's wrong, the actual physical recovery, and then you're also dealing with um, the, the basically getting the, the pain management and the comfort level back and all those kinds of things. So you don't want to try and speculate too much on how long it would, uh, how long of a, a, a process that could be, but Indiana is, I mean, you know, Mike Woodson said yesterday, he said other guys need to step up. Obviously, that's easier said than done. You lose two starters who've played, who are, you know, if you include this season, they combined, um, what, 11 years of basketball, college basketball. I mean, you don't just sort of snap your fingers and replace that. But 
at the same time, I tweeted this out yesterday, and it, it, it's still striking to me. And you know, last week, Trace Jackson Davis finished with 44 points, 33 rebounds, 11 assists, and seven blocks. He had 24 rebounds in a game that was the most uh, in I think what 40, 52 years. I think it was 52 years uh, for an Indiana player. Steve Downing was the last one to do it in uh, in February of '71. Um, Jalen Hutchinson had 15 points, 10 to 15 from three, 12 assists, six rebounds. His 33 points yesterday were the most by an Indiana freshman since Eric Gordon in 2007, and Indiana went 0-2 in those games. And and I think if you know if I even if even if I told you Ray Thompson was going to you know, be injured, if I told you that would be the you know the combined statistical output from your point guard and your All-American big man, um, I think you would have been hard pressed not to pick Indiana to go at least one and one, if not two and zero. Oh, and, you know, I mean, it doesn't get easier from here, and they got to figure some things out fast. Zach, you wrote a little bit about this in one of your pieces after yesterday's game, but Trace Jackson Davis had a quote from the press game or the post game presser. Uh, quote: Coach had a great game plan, and I don't think we all followed it. Does that sound like any uh, maybe uh, I don't want to say blame, but calling someone or a group of people out that? didn't follow up on what Coach Woodson instructed? I mean, you know, it's, I'm always careful not to, and I, and I said this in the piece. I mean, I, I used the quote. I chose to use the quote. I won't, you know, I won't back off from that. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I don't know if you read this part of it too, but it said when you don't listen to your coaches, that's really going to hurt you because obviously they, being Northwestern, were going to get whatever shot they wanted. Um you know, Trace Jackson Davis is also a, a fourth-year senior who's done a lot of post-game interviews. Now, you do enough of those, sometimes stuff becomes very boilerplate. You you aren't thinking a lot. You just sort of say stuff. Stuff just kind of comes through, um, you know, because you, you've just done it so many times that it, it almost kind of turns into a habit. Um, but, you know, even if you're not considering the, you know, word for word, the, the, the potential impact of whatever you decide to say, um, the, you know, a, a senior captain saying stuff like that does lead you to believe that he sees some issues. And, you know, I know fans want, you know, everybody wants a pound of flesh in a moment like that. They want to know, well, who are you talking about? You know, go into more specifics. I think Mike Woodson, like probably just about any coach, would tell his players that stuff by and large needs to stay in house. That stuff by and large, if it is an issue, needs to be an issue for Indiana and you know no one outside of Indiana's locker room. Um, but to, to even break break ranks to that degree, um, I think is 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 telling again from a player who, on the other hand, um, number one, I think it's fair to say earns the right if he feels anybody needed to be criticized, earned the right to do some criticizing yesterday. And number two, a player that I think it should be said, um, you know, it, 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 if somebody's going to do it in that room, it, it probably needs to be him, if you understand what I'm saying. And so um, that, you know, I, I mean, that, that can set up alarm bells. On the other hand, it can obviously be healthy, you know, if if, if – Guys, because I think as somebody who does a little bit of coaching at a, a much, much less, you know, a much, much less scrutinized level, essentially, 
Um, I, I coach little five, and I can tell you right now that the the most difficult thing to get 19, 20, 21-year-olds to do is hold one another accountable, not because they're lazy, not because of some generation gap, but simply because they just want to be friends. They just, they, they just, they don't, they, they all, they all are close. They're all friendly and they don't want to be the one that steps out and, and alienates themselves from the group. And it's easy to say a captain should be comfortable doing that, but he's still a 21, 22 year old. He's, he's still not a, you know, he's, he's not a captain in the way that like LeBron James is a captain or Dwayne Wade would be a captain just to use basketball examples. So you know, it, it can be healthy for a player to say that, especially now, especially when it's, hey, it's, they've only lost a couple games. There's still a lot of season left ahead of them. Whereas you wait until it's seven, eight games in, everybody's tuned out and, and the worst has kind of already come to pass. But it, it does raise your eyebrow. It, it does give you some pause when, when you see just how poor Indiana has been, and particularly at the one thing we thought we could count on Indiana to be really, really good at this year was, was defense. And obviously, yes, the injuries have hurt, but some of Indiana's defensive issues kind of crept in before then, and, and um, they've got to figure it out quickly. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach, a few, a few more things here I want to cover with you. One is Jordan Geronimo. Uh, a lot of talk in the offseason about what his role on this team could be and how he could uh, help defend different positions. He's so athletic, and maybe is, is he somebody that should be in the conversation for a starting spot? He's had some opportunities, including a starting assignment on Sunday, and I just didn't think it went well. I, I was one of the guys, at least so far, that I think is wrong. I really felt like by the junior year for sure, Jordan Geronimo would be a major contributor in some way to this team, probably more defensively than anything else. But that has not panned out, even in some of the recent opportunities that he's had. No, I mean, it, yesterday, um, I, I have to go back, but I, I think he I think he finished um, with something like 10 minutes and was minus 16 or minus 17 in the plus minus. And plus minus can be a bit of a, a blunt instrument. And, I mean, actually, Geronimo uh, had one of the better plus minuses before the turn of the year on this team. Um but you know, at the same time, it just it's it's it has not kind of clicked for him in the way that you needed to in terms of you know stepping into um, stepping into to more minutes in a bigger role. And I think it's it's fair to say the you know I mean if you look at kind of you just kind of look at like his year on year, um, people can obviously see some of the the problems that he's had. Um, with on-ball defense, but, I mean, I, I would point, for example, to uh, a defensive rebound rate that's only 12.8%. I mean, that's that's lower than um, Malik Renew. That's lower than Jalen Hutchifino. That's lower than Xavier Johnson. Um, he is blocking. He, he, he's better around the rim. He's better protecting the rim than he was a year ago but he's also committing more fouls for 40 minutes than he has at any other point in his career. And I'm not trying to pile on him. I want to be really clear. Like it, it, this is not suggesting that Jordan Geronimo is the problem, and if Indiana can solve it or replace him or whatever, they'll be fine. Um, but I think he's probably the one that right now is more than, you know, more than anyone else, the placeholder for that idea that, that ultimately 
Indiana's got to see if it can. And, you know, listen, you always say, oh, you, you've got to find a way. Well, sometimes there isn't a way. You know, I mean, like, it, it, it's fair to say sometimes there just isn't a way. I think back to the injuries the year that, that Archie Miller, uh, his second season with Romeo Langford, and, and that, that injury, the injuries that year were much worse. Langford had a, what, a broken hand or wrist. Rob Finnessy had persistent concussion problems. Um, Race Thompson had persistent concussion problems. I think Juwan Morgan was playing with some stuff. Zach McRobert that season basically played with a bad back. Um, you know, Deron Davis was just coming back from his Achilles tear, and so it wasn't quite himself. Al Durham played a lot of that season banged up. Um, but my point is, you, there are times where there just there isn't a way. You know, you say, oh, just find a way, just find a way. There are times where there isn't a way. But I think for the moment with Indiana, they've got to try and figure out if they can find that. You know, somewhere, and Geronimo is not the only one. You know, that that group probably encompasses Geronimo, Tamar Bates, Miller, Cop, Malik, Renew, Trey Galloway, maybe even to some extent CJ Gunn. Um, but one way or another, you know, somebody's got to. If Indiana's going to get through this funk before they can start getting healthy again, because there's there's not been a suggestion that Thompson or Johnson are out for the year. It should be said. Um, just that, that, you know, their absences are going to be more than maybe one or two games. Obviously, already has been with Johnson. If Indiana's going to get to the other side of this, get healthy and, and get right for a February and March push, somebody's got to come through. Somebody's got to find a way to be sort of that third option um, because Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Huchifino literally can't do any more than they're already doing. And I think that Geronimo is, Again, I'm, I'm not saying he's guilty when no one else is, but he's probably the placeholder in a lot of people's minds because he's flashed some encouraging moments and because he's also had some, some he's really struggled at times. Um, the one people think of is sort of, you know, can any of these players step into this void? Zach, let's finish with a question from the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. With Xavier and Race out, does Miller Cop need to hunt his shot more? He only shot twice this last game, while C.J. Gunn shot five times in about half the minutes. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm always a little bit hesitant with stuff like that because a guy like Miller Cop needs to be smart about shot selection. And what I mean by that is he's a, he's a legitimate, he's a proven shot maker. And part of the reason he is is because he knows what a good shot is. And, you know, CJ Gunn, is, is, I mean, it's worth saying Miller Cop is going to draw more defensive attention. And I'm not trying to pick on CJ Gunn. He's a freshman. He's just, he's, he's like a lot of freshmen. It, it, you know, it didn't click boom right away from, from high school to college. But Miller Cop is going to get a lot more defensive attention shooting 44% from three than CJ Gunn is shooting two of 18. I'd also say, you know, for what it's worth, a couple of, if we're using yesterday as an example, a couple of CJ Gunn's looks yesterday were ones where the ball got into his hands with four or five seconds left in the shot clock. And he realized he just kind of needed to go just try to create something. And, and, you know, while I think he's still raw, I think Gunn is one of this roster's better shot creators in terms of being able to get his own shot off the dribble. Um, Pop is much more of a catch-and-shoot player. He's gotten better in the mid-range. He's gotten better off the bounce. Um, but his strength is still catching and shooting. And a guy like that will always, on the, on the one hand, he will always be hunting shots. 
On the other hand, you don't want him forcing shots because that's not that, that really kind of defeats one of his primary purposes in the offense. So, I mean, again, it's yes, you you would like one of your best three point shooters to be taking you know at least three or four threes a game. Um, and he obviously had that stretch there. I mean, he took nine at Rutgers, five against Nebraska, nine, eight against Arizona, six against Kansas, and then 12 between the Elon and Kennesaw State games. He's only taken three since the Big Ten restart. You'd like that number to go up. But, you know, you also, if, if we're sitting in a film room, we might be able to draw some some lines between Jalen hood Shafino's big week and Miller Cop being quieter. And, and the fact that Indiana has Miller Cop on the floor opening something up for a Shafino or a Trace Jackson Davis or someone like that. You just don't want him forcing it, I guess, is my point. All right, good stuff from Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Uh, you can read his work at IndyStar.com slash sports. Zach, thank you. We'll talk again next Monday. Thanks for having me, as always. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back to talk local sports with Chad Gilbert and uh, a lot about that new Albany Jeff series and uh, the 93 team coming up here after this. Also, we'll catch up on a few texts from the text line. Thank you for those. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday program. Uh, real quick, I want to get caught up with some texts from the Thornton's text line, 502 502- 414-1450 Texter says, I'm starting to believe that last year's defense was due to the help of Dane Fife. With him gone now, you see the defense getting worse with every game. I know we are missing two starters, but still, we should be better with the talent that we have. Also, a couple other text here. Indiana shot better from the field, three and free throw line, and out-rebounded Northwestern, but when you have over twice as many turnovers and shoot 14 less free throws, and we were at home, it is hard to win. Well, I really don't talk much about officials. I did after the Iowa game, but uh, point taken there. Thanks for those texts on the Thornton's text line. Still don't get many texts, though, about local stuff. When I have Chad on Mondays or Josh Cook on Wednesdays, I'd love to hear more about uh, some high school ball, local players, stuff like that. So I encourage you to take uh, time out. Send us a text at 502-414-1450. We'll get it on the air here each day on the show. Chad Gilbert is with me. Chad, former coach, currently the AD at Charlestown, IHSA executive board member, his list of titles. Uh, it goes on and on, and he obviously had a lot of success in the Jeff New Albany series when he was the girls coach and the boys coach, and so I want to spend our time today talking about this wonderful series, and Chad, on Friday night, uh, not only was there a f- tremendous crowd and a very competitive game for the most part, uh, but the 1993 team, which is just at the beginning of my high school basketball watching days as a young kid, uh, they were there. They were on the court. The music was playing. The spotlight was going. The fans were on their feet, even from both schools. I think everybody enjoyed it. And, Chad, you can remember it much better than I. That team, Sharon Wilkerson, Brian Hanley, Corey Norman, B.J. Flynn, and the list goes on and on and on. Just great players, and it was so awesome to see them welcome back to Jeffersonville in a big, big environment on Friday. 
Matt, first of all, go to your text uh, question. When you have those turnovers and you have the foul differences in the coaching world, those are called empty possessions. It's hard to win on empty possessions. So your texter is right on the money. When you have all those spots that you don't get an opportunity to score, empty possessions kill you every time. Uh, talking about the Jeff New Albany game on Friday, one of the best rivalries in the state. Uh, looked like there was a great crowd, Matt. You, you've been involved with that as much as anyone in the past 20 years. Um, Crowd-wise, how was it compared to other crowds? I, I've been to them where you can't move. I've been to them where it's a great crowd. I've been to them with it's uh, so-so. What what was your take on that in the last in the last twenty years? And then you got to keep in mind too, Jeffersonville has lost several seats. You know, I would guess they've lost close to five hundred thousand seats when they did their renovation. What would you, what would your guess on what was in there would be? I would put it in the middle. I don't know what I'm terrible about guessing numbers. It definitely wasn't a packed house uh, during the Romeo years where you couldn't move, you couldn't buy a ticket. It was sold out and so forth. But the lower level was completely full. The upper level had a great crowd for. The bottom half of it, maybe. It's just hard to say people were spread out. So I was pleased because our world, our sports, opportunities for kids and everybody on Fridays and weekends and technology and TV and streaming, it's all changing so fast that I keep thinking, is this going to be the year when there's not some stud player to bring everybody out that maybe the series loses a little bit of its luster or high school basketball in general sees its attendance go down. But I, I was pleased sitting up there high looking out over everything. I felt like it was a, a very solid crowd for a big game. So not what we would hope as guys like you and I that want to see high school basketball here and strong 25 years from now, but not not as bad as what maybe I thought it might be really well if it's a, you know a good crowd like that that's good for athletic director larry owens to pay some bills and be able to get some money in the account because anytime you have a big crowd that's in that two three thousand dollar range that is just a boost for your athletic department that's something we hope that charlestown we can get a couple of times a year is a big crowd like that you know we we would hope that we could get that new washington game to start the year off we always hope that it can be like the jeff new albany game we've not gotten to that point yet but to do that, you know, and I need to give just a quick second before we talk about these guys. A shout-out to Larry Owens. And his first time as AD covering that Jeff New Albany game did an outstanding job of covering his bases and getting things going. So props to Larry Owens on that because that's a lot of work going I second in. that for sure. Uh, you know, talking about that 93 team, you know, I was in college, so I didn't get to see those guys play. Now, we, we beat Jeffersonville, Coach Broughton's first game. All those Wilkerson and those guys were sophomores. Hanley, Norman were freshmen. We beat them at ni- by 19 at Johnson Arena. First time the, the arena had just been renovated. It was the first game right before Thanksgiving, and we we mopped the floor. No way other to put it. They had a success. They got it together. They had a successful run that year. Went to the semi state. Got beat by Brian Evans at Terre Haute South. Come back the next year and got beat by Richmond in the finals, which. Uh, could have very easily got that when it went back to back state championships. But for them to honor that 93 team, those guys, not only good players, good guys, the way they did it, you know, the way they announced everybody they announced, and now the starting lineup, a fact to throw out there, Matt, on the starting lineup. Every starter on that 93 team is a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame Silver Anniversary team. That goes to the one credit of how good those players were. 
and two, the amount of juice that Coach Mike Broughton has throughout the state, the influence that he has. You know, that is outstanding feather in every one of those players' cap because all of them are well-deserved. All of them were outstanding players, and that just shows the amount of respect that they had for that team in 93 and Coach Broughton. So it was an outstanding night to get those guys recognized 30 years ago in a single class. You know, you think about that, man, in single-class basketball. They were one of the last teams around here <clears throat> to win that thing. So that's great that they got to recognize those guys, honor them for their achievement. Because I looked out there, there's a lot of guys. There were some that were missing, you know, that have passed away. And being able to see the administrators, the bus drivers, the trainers, the scorebook keepers, that may be the last time all these guys get together. And so that is something very, very, very special. And I hope those players realize how special that is. I hope they had a great time Friday night because they deserved it. Yeah, great stuff. And again, I share your kudos to Larry Owens and the Jeff administration on putting that all together and pulling it off in year one for him. Uh, that's almost going to wrap up our segment. Chad, as we get out of here, let me ask you this. Uh, thoughts on the college football playoff tonight? We've had such a loaded show. I've not had a chance to bring it up with anybody. Alabama's the best team, and they're not playing. <laughs> Both times. <laughs> Chad Gilbert with the Mondays here on the program. That's going to wrap things up for today. Check us out as a podcast. If you missed the live show, all you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. Back with you Tuesday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>